Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Streaming in Place. It is week 24. Yay! <laughs> we are here talking about Lucifer Season 5, Episode 7, Our Mojo. And uh, congratulations, at least an ish, right? Who had the ish on It's Our Mojo? I mean, I it was Allison, right? I did, but the but it's definitely an ish at mm-hmm. best because the context was about, and actually, you know, it was sort of about imbalance of power. I just got it in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. I would have been amazed if you got gotten it perfect though with your guess, though. So I'll take the ish. This is why we d- developed the ish category because it's just more fun that way. Um, so we have a lot going on in this episode. And there's a few things that's important for us to hit on. We're going to talk about Dan. We're going to talk about uh, Maze in a minute deal. Uh, but what we are going to have to make sure we save some time for, so I guess let's just leave with it, is I hate Pete. <laughs> I hate Pete so much. I don't trust Pete. Uh, I don't like Pete. And at the beginning of the episode, I was like, ah, okay, so this is what they're doing. This is intentional. And then by the end of the episode, I was like, oh, no, they want me to like Pete. I don't. Do they? Do they want me to like Pete? What do you guys think? I feel like they want us to be vaguely suspicious of Pete. I think they want us to like Pete. I think they actually want us to like him. Oh. It feels like even they're like trying to work him in towards joining the department or something. I appreciate Scotty's point immediately of Pete sucks. I don't trust him. He's a bad journalist. And he was a redshirt at the convention. It's a good sign. It's a good sign. (laughs) It's a very good science. Well, because obviously uh, Ella was in Science Officer Blue. Yeah. Uh, and instead, so he's either red shirt or captain. And neither is a good statement on you, on, on Pete. So you do you see yourself as the captain, you're in charge of everything? Or do you see yourself as completely disposable? You have no self-image or self-esteem. You are a red shirt. You have your no identity of your own. Neither of these are good things to see yourself as. So yeah. He had enough pips that I think he thinks he's on command track. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, Vin says maybe this means we won't have to deal with him that much longer anymore. Um, and Marcus says, I think they want us to like him and failed spectacularly. Um, one of the worst things you can do f- to get me on board personally as an audience member with a new character is have the characters talk about how nice someone is, especially how nice a, a male character is, male presenting character is, um, and not actually show them doing anything nice. Because that, to me reads instead as um our characters especially if it's women uh having been socialized into this person seems non-threatening which means that they are quote nice and they fall into the nice guy category and um anyone who's listening to this should know that that is a bunch of bullshit um and there like we said last time there is a huge difference between nice and kind he we've seen nothing from him that should make us think anything positive of him. Uh, the only thing positive, the only moment where I was like, oh, maybe, okay, maybe I will eventually get on board with Pete is when Ella described him as too nice. But hey, last night I found out he's not always too nice. I was like, <laughs> okay, that's a good line. And Amy Garcia delivered the hell out of that. Okay, fair enough. Um, but I just, I don't, I just, my, I viscerally do not like or trust Pete and I need, I need him gone. I kept waiting for him to be the serial killer. Yeah, I think so. It's both a writer and an actor problem because the writing problem is them telling us how nice he is over and over and over again. And then like, 
in my review, I just part, put some of my notes. Like one of them is like literally, is this an actor problem? And then like eventually, I was just like in my notes, I started like recasting him. I ultimately uh, recast him with uh, Joe D- uh, DeNickel from uh, Arrow and the LA Complex. He was Ragman on mm-hmm. Arrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. this this works yeah. better with him in the role. Like, yeah, yeah, it just does. Like, how do you walk into the door like that? Why did they think that was a good idea or made any sense or would make us like him? He manages to, like, lean forward and hit his head on way too low a part of a glass door. Like, he's supposed to be, like, boy Ella, but Ella's not a clumsy goof. Ella isn't this. Like, th- maybe this is part of our larger issue with the with the show that we were blaming on Fox with how they were writing Ella previously, where you're like, this isn't a person. So if they think this is boy Ella, it's like... Maybe we need to have Amy Garcia pull you guys aside and catch you up because this is not Ella. I'm feeling really disheartened by Latoya's reaction to this conversation because I walked into this straight up assuming that Pete actually wanted to be able to have an inside track on potential serial killers, definitely came up with the name The Whisper Killer himself, and has maybe even started to suss out that there's something weird with Lucifer and is writing some sort of expose about the completely inappropriate nightclub owner who partners up with the LAPD and steals drugs and beats people up and breaks legs. Um, He found all of Linda's ex-husband's notes. He found the wall. Totally. (laughs) Totally. He found the serial killer wall from off the record. It's like it just... And point being, he seems 100% suspicious to me. And the fact that LaToya is... um, is workshopping it makes me think that I am wrong. Well, no, this could all still be true, Allison, but the actor would still be a problem regardless. It could be a great story. I think the actor is bad. That is that is also ultimately what it is for me too. If he's supposed to be likable boy Ella and we're supposed to be shipping it, they have failed. If he's supposed to be some sort of nefarious bad actor who's tricking Ella, then he should also be tricking us and he is not. Right? Like, for this to work, we should also be tricked. So either way, they just, they needed somebody considerably more charismatic. They needed someone who seems smarter, um, less dopey. I don't know. Something. Something. It's not doing it for me at all. Everyone in the chat is also like, have we confirmed that he's an actual reporter? And I need to remind everyone that his last name is Daly, so he's obviously an actual reporter. Because <laughs> you can't be on TV and have the last name Daly and not be an actual reporter. Like, he's a legit reporter. He's uh, not. And also, the thing about him walking into a door, it's like a weird kind of like Clark Kent thing situation, yeah. but he, again, doesn't have, he doesn't have the range. Mm-hmm. He does not have the range. Also, he didn't, he, like, he hit his head, he had his head down. <laughs> like, the angle at which he walked, he was, like, crouched, the angle at which he walked into the door is part I of it I love that's well. what upset you so much, too. Well, because it's, part. like, if it was, like, he tripped, right, and smacked into, that's one thing. If, like, he, like, something, like, somebody was, I don't know, taking a picture and he, like, was blinded by a flash or something at the last second and stumbled, right? That, but that's not what happened. It's like, how were you standing such that <laughs> you were in a position to hit the fort, like, your eye socket against a, like, how did your nose not get in the way on the, hitting the door? Oh, man. Um, 
I, I would, listeners, I would read the chat. There's a lot of it, and it's very funny. Um, so thank you guys for making us not feel so alone, because the chat is with us on this. This is why you got to hang in the Zoom if you want to get all the deets. But yes, I, Marcus and Vince and Scotty. Like, I, subscribe. Yeah. Buy exactly. her Patreon. Because it, like... It's just bad. It's very bad. Also, like, the scene with them, the only other moment that kind of started to work for me was when they were developing the the film together. That's when I thought they seemed more like siblings than a romantic pairing. Yeah, but at least there was, like, that's some sort of connection, right? That's something. Uh, and, and that's the only other scene like that. The rest of it was just like, why are you? And I wasn't too concerned about it outside of like, oh, no, I'm worried that he's a bad guy until they had that scene with him and Lucifer. And I was like, oh, crap. They want us to like be connecting this in a, oh, oh, no. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was the part in my review where I was like, that's the only scene where Pete seems like a real character, like with like a person, like an actual character instead of just like. A nice guy who is nice, I guess. Yeah. What does that even mean? Because you can't just say a character is a thing. You have to show them being that. When they introduced Eve, they showed her being empathetic. They showed her connecting with people. And even if, you know, she was too often reflecting what other people wanted her to be, there was a genuine curiosity and interest in what people said, right? She was, there was some level of connection from that character to the other people. You can't just say, oh, he's so nice as he manipulates Ella to get a lead on his on his work that he talks about how bad he is at um you like and how he buys VIP Comic-Con uh Star Trek tickets for her like like I know that she's supposed to be a nerd I was very surprised when she just busted out Klingon that didn't track for me with what we've seen from Ella in the past I mean sure why not that can be fun and all but like I did not, like, for me, that felt like somebody else thinks this is what a nerd is. And so we're going to put all of the things that one could be a nerd about into our stereotypical nerds here. Now, like, it just, there's a lack of specificity to it that is really frustrating to me. I, I could literally just bitch about Pete this whole time. So we should probably move on. Scotty says she's a car nerd, a camera gear nerd. Yeah, she's she's a much more, like, I would see her as, like, a steampunk yeah, she's a, nerd. She's, like, she's, a, like, a gambling addict, too. Like Yeah. She was, Count, she card was, counting, yeah. Yeah, she was, like, spending all her time learning other things. I don't know when she was spending her time when Klingon, you know? Yeah. So it's just, Scotty says she also could be a Star Trek nerd, but it hasn't been established. And yeah, I agree. But like, especially she goes out to clubbing and dancing, right? So when is she watching all of Star, like, you <laughs> pick a set of, of, of hobbies and interests for the character and commit to those. Yeah, and she, she was knowledgeable about um, furries and stuff, too. So, like, it's frustrating. Um, I would totally buy... I totally buy Ella is a Star Trek nerd because who among us does not have some little teeny corner of Star Trek fandom in their heart, right? But the Klingon thing is is the beat that baffled me the most because that really felt like they were trying to impose some kind of meat cute onto this situation by imbuing Ella with a side of her personality we've never seen before and then having that be reflected as though somehow they're a perfect match. It would have worked better if Ella had just been a Star Trek fan and then Pete mm -hmm. had been like, oh, and then started speaking Klingon and she didn't understand it, right? Yeah. Like they would have had it in common but been in different levels and mm -hmm. then that would have been a very like wow, you told on yourself kind of... Mo like, you can see how the pieces could potentially work, but they just don't. 
we're not supposed to be on Lucifer's side when he's being petty about how Pete has the same things as Ella. But I am. When when uh, Lucifer's like, see, she speaks Chewbacca. That's her thing. I'm <laughs> like, yes, you're right, Lucifer. That is Ella's thing. Go away, Pete. <laughs> yes, go away, Pete. Oh, Noel, any other thoughts on Pete? <laughs> he speaks all the languages, but not Chewbacca. <laughs> but not Chewbacca. Doesn't speak um, Chewbacca. Uh, Marcus says it only works if every episode she reveals another hobby as a running gag that is in no way physically possible. And that so. is kind of what they were doing in season four, at like when she was trying to figure out ways to replace her faith. But yeah, fill her, fill her time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we should move on from how much I hate Pete. Um, <laughs> don't want to, but we should. And- Pete forever! Yay! Well, I'll just note one more thing is that the dude is way too smiley during mm. the part of Lucifer when they're we're, they're doing seven and he's like, I'm just going to smile through all of this. Yay, I'm helping catch a serial killer. How is it legal for him to be helping catch a serial killer? How did they not turn any lights on in that apartment? That was the thing yeah. that was boggling my brain. They yeah. were doing like- seven. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk about the seven apartment because whoever did the set dressing for that set had a great time. There were some yes. deeply weird things in that apartment. There was the taxidermied rat inside the rat cage. Yeah. There were a bunch of missing pets posters. The missing pets posters were, I think the creepiest detail, mm-hmm. but they're just like that set ruled that somebody went all in on making that a terrifying location. The Lost Pets posters. Why did he have those? Does he have all those pets? Mm-hmm. Is it the Immortal Rachel Bloom classic? I steal pets from the popular people and I dress the pets up like the popular people? Like, <laughs> what? No, stealing pet, pet missing pets posters is actually a great way to find out if there's not a dog at a house that you want to, like invade like it's actually a smart kind of thing to do uh, yeah uh. <laughs> scotty says what was the incredibly dumb shining homage shot as they were getting off the elevator see i like that i imagine that was probably added later after they found the location it's like well this is perfect we have to do this <laughs> yeah because even the wallpaper is the shining um like floor carpet yeah so I figured they found the location first and then just added that line and th- that moment because it would be too easy. So mm-hmm. um, Sky says the episode's tonal swings didn't work for me at all. I'm curious how you guys felt about that. Let's go to our, um, let's see, let's go to, let's go to Maze and Amenadiel and trying to recapture the past and then just, you know, instead drinking it out. I liked uh, Amenadiel's like, well, I was just drinking with Maze, so I'm good for ever um <laughs> what'd you guys think of of their stuff this this episode she brought back his angel dress mm-hmm. she did which i appreciate because i've sort of missed that um <laughs> weird tunic thing mm-hmm. and uh, also she during that fight scene she is wearing the outfit she wore in season one when they had their fight scene lux so yeah that's mm-hmm. in my review of the really trying to really trying to bring back the past all the greatest yeah. hits um yeah it's i like it fine um I don't know that it, like, totally, like, tracks for, like, a Menadiel, per se, um, on, like, a character level of, like, trying, feeling kind of aimless and lost. I don't really feel like that that's been an issue. Um, but I do feel like it's a little bit wheel-spinny for Maze. Um, but it is also, like, the last vestiture of something that she can, among her friend group that she can turn to and be like, can it be like it was before? <laughs> Please. Um... 
but that's like this is this is like the last option sort of deal um so i think it's fine um i just like um sort of scotty talked about with like the tonal swings it just didn't land with the rest of the episode for me in any real way so i was struggling with that a little bit as well so i think it's good i liked how it ended with them just doing so many shots just all the shots um and with i think hopefully hopefully may's like kind of coming to some sort of acceptance or realization or acknowledgement of what she needs to do um but yeah i just i was i'm sort of like seeing like this stuff as stuff that i'm going to get payoff for in like the back half of season five so i'm just kind of like bookmarking a lot of this okay um the i i couldn't see what the what the shots were um and i think it was whiskey was it whiskey in my head it was jaeger (laughs) Because that made more sense for where she was at. Um, did Latoya, Allison, how do you guys feel about what we get with the Maze and the Medial here? Well, I think with like the Maze and the Medial things, like we have to, despite the fact we don't want to think about blue balls, like Maze's state of mind is currently like in the aftermath of Ella's well-meaning but poorly timed soulmate comment. So mm-hmm. like that's really what's driving Maze. Like fucked on that part, but like so let me go back to the one like relationship i had that like in my mind like you know i dumped him so maybe i have the power uh, in that yeah yeah i blew up his car he must love me (laughs) and he does make a good point basically it's not like that she fucked it up like she went to like find herself which is exactly like that's how season one ended and how season she began you know she's trying to figure out who she is uh just because now she's in her sulky relationship phase and she like is rewriting history doesn't mean it wasn't like the right thing for them not to be a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and regarding the tonal shifts of the episode, I definitely wasn't feeling them as much first time I watched it. I appreciated them more uh, the second time I, I watched it, uh, especially because like, they're just like visual cues, like that set it up that like, we're going to make this tonal shift. So like, it's one of those things where they're kind of subtly, doing that because it is like a huge shift from like a fun romp through the, the world of opera to serial killer mm-hmm. uh it's and it's like once that like shift happens too it's also like the shift into realizing lucifer isn't just like having a tantrum about his mojo like this is, is a major like thing that we even have chloe discuss later like she didn't really think about like why it's such a big deal to him and I, I, yeah, yes, Scotty. Over half through the episode, it turns into a serial killer. This is correct, and it's one of those things. Like uh, upon rewatch, also, it's like the way I was like, I should have realized this. I'm like, I kind of should have realized like this too, watching it because like the way this woman was killed, the first one, like that's just not a normal. I'm killing you for revenge for whistleblowing thing. Like that's a precise like serial killer thing. Like seriously, it was really weird to me that they didn't check the flowers the first time through because. Those didn't seem like flowers you would just get. Yeah, well, also, okay, that takes us to Kate's Classical Corner. Um, opera singers don't just get flowers all the time. And anyone should know that. <laughs> like, if you have a premiere or a big performance or, like, people might send you, or if you got get a job, right, people might send you flowers. But, like, like, people don't just send opera singers flowers all the time. And I can buy some of them. Like, I can buy just people having assumptions about that because they just assume they just 
see think opera and they think gown and fancy hair and holding a bouquet, right? And they don't actually know any musicians. But when Lucifer is knows like has has heard of this famous singer before and like it's supposed to have some level of awareness of the of the opera scene and he's like well yes of course everyone just buys flowers he's given sending opera singers flowers all the time it's like no she wasn't a world famous opera star she wasn't some big she was just an opera singer who has a good voice and they this is not what it's like why does she have a harp I had that, well, no, because that entire apartment felt like, this is what we think an opera singer's apartment. There's a harp, and then there's a music stand that has, like, that little harp in it as that, that music That sounds right to me. Harp. Right, exactly. <laughs> I didn't feel like an opera singer, like, show me a kitchen full of very specific teas, and that'll feel like an opera singer to me. Like, <laughs> like, like, show, show me, like, but, like, why is there, I was like, okay, do they have a partner? Who plays the harp? Because if you're an opera singer, I'm assuming you do not have time to also play the harp. And harps are expensive. I mean, they're not like violin or piano expensive, but they're expensive. So like what? It hurts. It hurts my brain. It makes way more sense for her to have a piano for practicing her singing. You wouldn't have a harp to practice your singing. Anyway. You know her. I mean, you I did take a semester life, of harp in college, but like, that's probably more than she did. So, <laughs> uh, I didn't notice the harp. Um, but Kate so is big. correct. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, I I know a lot of very talented vocalists who also play a wide range of other instruments and um and do all well and some other or let do some of them very well and some of them slightly less well because you can't master yeah. everything right uh however none of those people is an opera singer that is um that is a really difficult thing to be so no um i'm gonna second what kate said about teas she would also need a closet that was full of foam that she had put on the walls so that she could have somewhere where she could practice practice and hopefully reduce the noise pollution going into other people's apartments so many shawls and cardigans yes lots of shawls and cardigans um show posters lots Mm -hmm. of show posters um teas neti pots um humidifier oh yeah humidifiers everywhere um and then like binders upon binders upon binders upon binders and like just everywhere like 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 that like that number of binders exactly like that yeah listeners at home i just pointed the camera at my insane numbers of binders as a classical violinist uh for my music not as a world traveling opera star so yes right I uh I like Scotty. Scotty has a a point that she makes here in the co- I mean all of the comments are great today. Everyone is missing out who's not here. Um but Scotty says we start out invested in the opera singer's life, career and plans and none of the things about her end up mattering. She ended up just being a body. And this is one of the things that bugged me about this episode. And maybe it wouldn't if I had watched it twice, but I didn't. Sorry. So Latoya, you can offer me some illuminating perspective if you like but i mean there is something you guys haven't acknowledged that i feel like i need to address but yeah go on let's get there so um i assume that we're getting more about the whisper killer 
expire erect um <laughs> i assume we're getting more about the whisper killer in the next episode because chloe has her lingering questions and whatnot um but also because it doesn't make any sense and it's if you're gonna write a serial killer he's like a pretty basic thing has to happen which is either all of the victims have to excuse me either all of the victims have to be linked in some way or there's got to be um, a randomness to it that's somehow triggered by some sort of internal logic for him. Even if like he's stalking people and choosing them at random, there's still some sort of logic there, like some sort of connective tissue. And here, he said, Lucifer says he was taking away their power, which was like, ding, 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 word of the day, word of the day. Um, but a kindergarten teacher and an opera singer and then a woman who lives in his building who we don't really know anything about and and i don't understand what is actually binding them together besides the fact that they needed a serial killer for this episode like there's a big logical problem for me and i had a surprisingly hard time following what should have been a very easy story to follow because it's not like it's all that difficult for a procedural to do a serial killer story. There's one, like, turn on any television channel that runs syndicated TV programs and there's a decent chance there's a serial killer episode on. I mean, well, Allison, ding, 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 ding. Much like the detective, you realize something's wrong with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So you More can conclude the, that the next episode. there will be, Yes. Great. This is, this, the Killing it. Yeah, this is not over. That's why it seems so odd that it ended the way it did, because it's not actually over. This is very much a part one of two, is what it seems like. With Because mm-hmm. everything yeah. with Dan and everything, you know, like, and even just where the they leave Amenadiel, right? It feels very much like a part one of two. But there's also... When there are unanswered questions, some of these they're hitting, right? Like, Chloe, something about this isn't just isn't right. Obviously, we're going to learn what that is. She's going to put her finger on it, and she's going to have to do that while dealing with Dan and Lucifer and whatever the hell just happened at the end of the episode. But it should... The story should still feel whole. It's that we should feel like there are puzzle pieces missing. And instead, I just feel like I don't have a sense of what the puzzle actually looks like. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't... It, there's a cohesiveness that's sort of lacking that I think has been present in basically all of the episodes in the Netflix era, including blue balls. <laughs> Fucking blue balls. But I would also say that's intentional because that is like the very definition of what Dan has said, like uh, an investigation is anyway. It is mm-hmm. a puzzle which you're not quite sure what it's going to look like. And in theory, like they think that this is the end, but it still doesn't quite look right. And that's kind of exactly what Dan was saying, which makes it more interesting to keep digging and why Chloe is going to keep digging, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's part of it. And obviously, I know what, what it is, but like, I can't tell you that. Yeah, well, thank you. Please don't. Um, spoiler alert for a very old uh, book, Agatha Christie mystery novel. The ABC Murders. You've been warned. Uh, I I assume this is an ABC Murders situation where he wanted to kill the person that he knows in his building and was trying to make it look like it was something larger and which is why he targeted other people. And there isn't actually like with what we know so far, that's what my brain goes to. Obviously, we don't know everything yet. There's a lot we don't know. So we'll see what's going to happen. But that's sort of like the only thing that with the pieces we have so far, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. 
There is another clue in this episode you guys haven't struck on, I will say. Okay. Is it racism? Because that was the other clue in the <laughs> adaptation. Racism is always murders. a clue. <laughs> <laughs> um the 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 yeah, there's there's more happening in this. Do you guys have any other parts of the, that you want things you want to talk about about the case of the week or just hold off until well, tomorrow? Well, Vince is asking why sh- like wouldn't there be a special unit or like the FBI? Do you want more cops on this show, Vince? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I want to stick with the cops we like, and that's about it. Technically, it probably should be handed over to the FBI, but yeah. Eh. I want to talk about the taxidermied rat inside of the cage. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> why was it? Was it a live rat that just froze? Well, no, he definitely killed that thing. He's a psychopath. <laughs> but it's taxidermied. It's like upright. It's like in a pose. It's like he body worlds. He definitely killed it and stuffed it. He's a psychopath. Mm. Yeah, but but that's a skill. You have to have a skill. Why do you it's one of his many skills? hobbies. He's also really into Star Trek. He's a lot like Ella. <laughs> he has so many hobbies. Okay. Um, uh, Whisper killer, Ella OTP. Sorry, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> um, now I just want to know what clue I missed. Hold on. Hold on. Well, uh, well Scotty says, <laughs> it was weird that Oles was like, I always feel powerless when he's an extremely tall, imposing man. Nothing about him struck me as a guy who needs to paralyze people to cause damage. Um, so maybe that's it. I don't know. I'm not even going to look at LaToya. Um, I'm assuming she won't tell us. But that there's that element of it. Um, write, write all this down in your uh, celestial diaries right now. Yeah, so. journal. Um, Scotty says, I know psychology is more complex than uh, physical size, certainly. And Mark says he could hire so much taxidermy, the uh, the rat. Uh, but he, he is phys- more physically imposing than it would seem. That could speak to large uh, like other issues. I think there's some... there's. There's a lot more we're going to find out in the next one. Um, any other thoughts, Noel? No, I just wasn't particularly engaged by the case. So mm-hmm. I honestly just kind of tuned out and I kept waiting for Dan to show back up was what yeah. I wanted from this episode. Um, I wanted him and Michael plotting. I was just like, yeah, let's watch that. Oh, no. Okay. I, I, uh, I did also enjoy i kept waiting for them because there's been a bunch with like you know me too stories people coming forward with abuse uh allegations and their stories of what they've experienced there's been a bunch of them in the classical music world um and so i kept waiting for that for the first murder to to head explicitly into me too and they don't which is very strange i don't know why they pulled their punches on that um also that uh the our opera star did not he looked weird for an opera star um, he looked like someone who what had been an opera star and now was significantly older. Just his frame didn't seem right. So that was a little strange to me. That could be where it is, where he's coasting off his reputation, basically, is mm-hmm. what it seems like. Yeah. Um, Allison said, Pasado Domingo fake out could be. And there's a bunch more. Like, Unfortunately, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of pieces of crap in the classical music world. Many of them, uh, and not all of them, of course, uh, that have been uh, thankfully exposed uh, and brought forward um, in the past, you know, 10 years, um, even more recently, of course. But uh, I did enjoy the all the mojo stuff going back and forth. Uh, I, you know... The reveal that Chloe just like the one guy is just a, a Chloe Decker fan <laughs> <laughs> because it's bound to happen like a lot yeah. more often. Honestly, it yeah. should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that there was a really fun twist on it. Watching Lucifer have to deal with responding to 
his mojo is way overdue. This is, an, you know, we'll see what's happening exactly with it. But um, I would expect we'll get some level of answer about it in the next episode. But that felt right. He was like, you've been doing this to so many people for so long. Here's what it feels like. <laughs> you, you don't like it, do you? Uh, so I, I really like that part of it. Um, do we have any other thoughts about this episode aside from Dan, which I feel like we should end with Dan? Well, I do especially love just the little jokes about like with the mojo not working. It's like, what what is this? Like, is this how you do your police work? Is like, yes, this is how they do their police work. <laughs> the delivery of the first guy who's like, that's a weird question. That's a really weird question. It was great. I like, oh man, because that's what anyone would actually say. It's very good. No, it's very good. And the kind of like back and forth banter here is sort of what I was expecting in Blue Balls mm-hmm. in terms exactly. of- exactly. Yeah, exactly. Of like this is this is the kind of heavy innuendo laden sort of conversations that we should have been having in a different version of Blue Balls uh, that doesn't involve DJ Carnal. Yeah, um, this is like what should have been the follow up to Detective yeah. Deal. This is like the, their relationship stuff, not the petty jealousy crap. Honestly, yeah, exactly. I really like um, the morning after scene too. Yeah, I want to talk about the canoodling. That yeah. was it. Was very. It's very, very charming. It made me feel slightly more like Ella in terms of um, my feelings about Decker Star. Um, because, it just, you know, like, I really care about the characters in the story and I'm not super invested in the relationship. Like, and I really ship it. But I definitely shipped that scene. It's like, yes, all of the tropes. She's sleeping in his shirt. She's snoring. There's like a whole, what should we get for breakfast? Everybody's lips are puffy. Very into it. <laughs> yeah. It's, they are kind of nailing like the sweetness of their relationship now that they've consummated it and they've become an actual couple, which is it's good. Uh, yeah, I'm like more invested in them together now that they're actually together. Yeah. Vince says, yeah, now I am shipping them hard. Because you, if, if I remember Vince, you were not before. Um, you, were, you were pretty over it is what I'm remembering. Uh, but but yeah, it, it that is a, they, after, you know, not nailing and really sticking the landing on their romance, uh, like the actual, like, first time they have sex scene, um, this is, this is much better. Um, <laughs> Scotty says, such a cliche. I love wearing a dude's shirt. Uh, yeah, no, it, but it, there's a reason it's a cliche and it's because it looks, it reads great on TV. Um, and in movies. Uh, okay. So the last thing that I have for this episode is we have to talk about Dan and I'm going to start us off on this topic by saying fucking Michael is such <laughs> a dick. <laughs> I like, I love that whole thing. It's the so second good. time through because I was less worried about Dan. I could just like giggle and love everything about that scene with, uh, with Michael. And he's just, just such a dick. I, I, I texted uh, Latoya and I was just like, I look forward to when Lucifer is okay. You know, he's the lead of the show. He's not going anywhere. Um, or any, or if he is going somewhere, he's going to come back. Um, when that happens, I just look forward to the conversation between like, Chloe, like, well, Michael said I had to, and she's like, you listen to Michael? He's a complete dick. Why are you listening to Michael? He's like, you know, Michael, like, I'm, I can't wait <laughs> for that exchange. You know what killed me about that scene? The, wonderful perfect chef's kiss moment when that you hear the elevator ding and you just know it's going to be dan and tom ellis lifts that hand up and you can see he's still wearing that fucking bracelet 
bracelet photos for life. Oh, it got me in my feelings. Oh, he's still wearing the bracelet. And Dan is so vulnerable. And he's so gullible. And the bracelet is such a reminder of both how pure and not pure, obviously, but how pure Dan is and how gullible he is and how broken he is. And this burgeoning friendship. Ugh, never has a bracelet said so much. <laughs> that good. damn bracelet is like good. the most important part of this season as far as I'm concerned. It's a great, it's the heart of the ocean of the Lucifer verse. <laughs> yeah. like it's a very important prop. <laughs> now, Vince is not on board with all of this. Uh, Vince uh, says, I seem to be the only one not believing the whole Dan storyline. I don't care for it at all. Um, the uh, I felt like the, the whole grave scene was very constructed. Not Dan talking to Charlotte, but his choice of words. He never asked for help before, and suddenly he does right when Michael was waiting for that. And why is nobody talking to each other? It really bugs me so much. Because Michael literally set it up so he'd be so freaked out he would have to finally ask for help. That way he could pop in and do yeah. his little, I'm a, I'm a little angel bitch situation. Like, Literally, Michael would just like have done more things to fuck with Dan if it hadn't worked that time. He would have just kept doing it until because who, who's Dan going to go to? He's not going. He can't. He's not going to Linda because like Linda's tied to a Menadiel who was right there next to his devil brother. Uh, who's he going to go to? He doesn't know who to trust now. He he can talk to his dead girlfriend, who which, who he's now happy to know is in, definitely in heaven, but he doesn't believe he's going to heaven. He of course like he's said this so many times like. He's trying to redeem himself. He doesn't think he's redeemable. He's like, I know I'm going to hell. Unlike Trixie, unlike Chloe, I need help. He's like, he, she's the only one he can tell he needs help. See, this is this is a big thing for me. And I actually, I really, uh, that scene at the grave made me feel a lot better about where Dan is at. Um, because I like that the writers are going a different way with each of these characters who see the devil face and find out about Lucifer. Because he, Dan seems much less freaked out about the fact that he knows the devil and that the devil is dating his ex and that his daughter hangs out at the devil's penthouse with some frequency. Um, and he seems more freaked out about the fact that there is a heaven in hell and the fact that he doesn't resp- see this stuff and immediately go to, um, immediately go to, Oh, a deal must also be some sort of devil or demon or something. He's been lying to me this whole time, but goes to, I'm pretty sure that this means that Charlotte, you're in heaven because Amenadiel told me that. And I trust, like, the fact that he still trusts Amenadiel for me says a lot. And that's a really good thing. Um, and he's not like, he, his first call, I think we can assume was to Chloe. And so when she didn't answer, you know, he hasn't reached back out to her yet, but the fact that he's doesn't go to, I must destroy Lucifer until Michael pushes him. Um, and they, that, like, that he's done, like, some big actual plan. Like, if he, if he was acting more calculatedly, um, and I, if he seemed more righteous, air quotes, like, then I would be a lot more concerned. This feels like Michael's just fucking with them. And he's, like, does Michael even know Chloe is there? Maybe, maybe not. And maybe he's just, like, sending Dan at Lucifer uh, to just to be like, haha, I got it, your friend, and kind of a thing, uh, rather than actually thinking it will kill him. Um, so, like, there's, I, I'm a lot less worried about Dan than I was at the start of the season, based on how this episode goes with his like two scenes. Uh, Vince says, a guy, I mean, I didn't see his fear of hell, uh, uh, going to hell coming, which, but like this entire season, especially, is, uh, through his whole arc, honestly, from like season two on, has been like, 
he's trying to be a good guy and he keeps backsliding and he knows that it's bad that he keeps backsliding every like wrong thing he does with like maze or something, every corrupt thing he does, he, he, he knows it's wrong and he's trying so hard to, to not do that. Like he's gotten into to essential oils and like self-help now and CrossFit. Like that's his new thing to try to help. But like, even he knows it's like all bullshit is just something to stay positive. But now he has definitive proof that that doesn't mean anything because, because of the things he's done. And because of the guilt, we know he, he feels so much guilt all the time. Like he's going to hell. Like he might not know the rules of hell, but like Dan is going to hell. And that is terrifying. Once you know, that's a real thing. And he knows how terrified Charlotte was of going to hell. He knows that like, that's something she talked about often. Well, and also knowing that Lucifer actually is the devil recasts a lot of his, in, the, the, the relationship with Charlotte and Lucifer. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if that, like, for me, it makes sense that it would click into his head. Oh, she actually knew he was the devil. And that's why she was so worried about going to hell, like, and like about redeeming and becoming a better person is because she like, that clicks into another context for him, all those, the strange interactions with the two of them back, you know, in season two and season three. Mm -hmm. And then Vince also asks, how do you go from that to killing the guy who rules hell and who we've known for years? Well, like you said, like Michael goes to him, you know, there is like one thing you need to do to like right all the wrongs and like save the world essentially. So he's going to do that. I sort of wish that maybe this storyline had been stretched out a little bit more because I, I just feel like Dan skipped the step where he assumes he's lost his mind and checks him in for inpatient treatment right like i just he wasn't told he saw something and i'm not sure why his assumption of that what he saw is real like i'm not i just am not we could have talked about this in the last episode where like it's uh he's seen people's reactions to seeing lucifer's devil face so he's always right i've had that weirdness like in the back of his mind anyway so now he's finally getting the confirmation of it. The puzzle pieces. Yeah, and for me, I actually prefer that they didn't do that because I, I'm glad that they didn't stretch it out um, because I feel like it. we've already had so many, like with basically the first three seasons of the show of people not believing that he's the, you know, that he's the devil. So while I absolutely hear what you're saying, Allison, and maybe they could have been like, they could have found a way to refresh our, like a previously on Lucifer, something's up with him. How come all the people that he's interviewing say they're like terrified of him? Like maybe they could have done more to like remind us of his, like his early season one, season two interactions that would support this. Um, I do miss previously. Is the thing that about record producer from the pilot still in that supervillain jail? Do we think <laughs> <laughs> oh. that got bulldozed with the original precinct? Yeah, exactly. Um, so a couple things. One, I agree with Scotty in terms of does Dan trust Amenadiel still, or does he realize Amenadiel isn't human so probably knows about heaven and hell? And I think that's sort of like where I fall on it. I don't know that he necessarily trusts Amenadiel, but he believes Amenadiel mm-hmm. um, about heaven and hell. Um, so I think that's probably more so where he might be, because um, I think if he trusted Amenadiel... He would go to Amenadiel. He right? would have gone to Amenadiel, um, maybe. 
Like, a better option would have been going 10-minute deal, I think. You would have gone um, to that Dodger game with him. Exactly! Right, you, that dodge baths together, which is such a good line. Um, so I think that that's one part. I um, I really liked everything at the grave scene. Um, I think that that grave is, that headstone was, like, way too big. <laughs> it was just massive. Um, but... I like how it just really feeds into this like dark night of the soul sort of thing that Dan's been trying to figure out for, like we've said, basically the entire show since season one. And that realization of that he can find some degree of solace finally, that he really firmly believes that Charlotte's in heaven and is can be happy, as happy as anyone can be in heaven, apparently. Um, but that it's weighed down by the fact that he can't, he doesn't know what to do anymore. Like he knows he's going to go to hell. There's nothing else he can do. And that he's really worried about Chloe and that he's really worried about Trixie um, in this situation as well for stuff that we got into last week and that you all have already discussed. So I think that there's a lot of really good things happening in this, but I also agree with Allison and Vince that maybe we should have seen a bit more. Um, we could have just shortened the case a little bit, but they really wanted to do the serial killer thing. So they had a lot of plot work to lay out. Also on like a practical level, Alejandro directs the next episode. Right. Which is something I'm aware of and something that makes me very nervous about where he fits into like the next episode. Um, so yeah, this episode was probably a lot of prep work anyway. So we got a lot, what we got from him though was good. Yes. So I imagine that like, that's, there's just production wonkiness um, that limited that. So I think it's good, but I just would have liked a scene or two more of it in fleshing out that process. Um, But yeah, I still love just, I love Michael just coming down from the sky in that robe because that's definitely how angels on this show actually dress, (laughs) Uh, which is just, just so good that Michael's at least picked up on the fact of, Oh, well, if I come down in my normal clothes, he won't believe that I'm an angel. But if I come down in a white robe, he'll definitely believe me. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Michael. Yep. Such a dick. Such a uh, dick. Yeah. Uh, Sky says it was so deliciously calculated and nasty that he put on angel drag. <laughs> I will say that Ellis's accent worked better for me here than it has all season. <laughs> oh, it was not good. It's like it works for Michael and the little shit story that he is, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Do we have any final thoughts about this episode? It's me. I'm the whisper killer. <gasps> no. Expires erect. I hate you. Oh, I do have one thing. Uh, my partner mm-hmm. and I were making jokes about um, how Chloe was so excited to have a superpower um, and that she managed to like take it from Lucifer and I mean, I made a joke about her magical vagina, and then my partner was just like, no, she snatched it from him. And <laughs> Latoya, your face is exactly what I wanted. Thank you. I'm going to let my partner know she's going to be so thrilled that you did a double face palm. <laughs> I hate you. Uh, I, I just want to note that, um, so a bunch of the callbacks, obviously, in this episode were from like uh, the fourth episode of the series. That's the mm-hmm. one where Chloe shoots him. Uh, mm-hmm. That's also the one where she says, like, she'll sleep with him when hell freezes over. So that's mm-hmm. fun. And that's the same episode with Maze and the Menadiel's fight. So mm-hmm. a lot happened oh, in yeah. that episode. It's just layered. Yeah. Okay, well, 
We're going to finish things off here with uh, our final episode title. So tomorrow we're going to be back to talk about the season five, part one finale or the season five, mid season finale. Um, Latoya, what is the episode title? Kate's already said it. Yes. <laughs> she has. The episode title is spoiler alert. Can you guess anything from that? I know very little about it, but I know enough about it that I'm excited to say I'm excited for it. And I'm not going to say much else other than I look forward to hopefully a satisfying conclusion to the serial killer thing and like all of this stuff. 50 straight minutes of Pete. Oh, no. <laughs> no. I just Don't threw like it from my mouth. <laughs> all Pete, all the time. <laughs> <sighs> I don't like any of this. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know that I have anything based on that title. Um, yeah, they made sure to get the title. It's not going to give you anything at all. Yeah, which I I legitimately sort of appreciate for like a mid season finale of for this is like the title gives you nothing. And I kind of like that. So um, I'm not going to guess anything either because I kind of want to go in without expectations of anything, but. I am excited about Alejandro darkening this episode. I've known about it since like the seasons before the season started. So I'm very excited. I love when the actors get to direct their shows. <laughs> mm, I'm going to guess that we get like a, like a repeated life flashing before Lucifer's eyes thing where we see multiple possible futures of what happens after Dan shoots him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to guess that. And then I'm going to guess Eve shows up. Okay. Marcus says Lucifer dies and comes back is his guess. And Vince says, Michael says, you're going to hell. And Lucifer's like, hey, spoiler alert. <laughs> Could you please do it in a, a Michael accent and then a Lucifer accent, Kate? Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, you are going to hell. <laughs> and he's like, hey, spoil. I can't do a British accent. I'm sorry. Spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, my Could God. Michael, spoiler alert. Kate, I need you to talk like in that, that Michael accent for Hello, the rest detective. Of time. This is a spoiler alert. Don't make me bust out my devil face. <laughs> and devil uh, hands. It doesn't have yeah. the same ring to it. Yeah. <laughs> That's where we're going to leave things off. I am looking forward to our conversation tomorrow and then our season, like, kind of wrap up thing that we're going to do on Wednesday. Uh, so thank you to Vince and Marcus and Scotty for hanging out in the chat today uh, and crushing it, crushing the comment game. So many good uh, comments. Yeah. And thank you everyone for listening. And thank you, Latoya, for once again joining us for uh, Lucifer and being the, you know, the the enigmatic sipper of White Claw as needed. <laughs> uh, while we all make wild, you know, guesses about what's yet to come. Uh, looking forward to a no one knows anything anybody else doesn't know conversation tomorrow uh thank you everybody for listening we'll be back tomorrow bye 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 goodbye